Good afternoon, Bridge. How are we doing today? I am so happy to see you. I know we live in uncertain times. We're facing some uncharted water right now, aren't we? And I appreciate your compliance and your willing to, to embrace the protocols that we put in last weekend uh, for the welfare of everyone who's attending, you know, including uh, not shaking hands and, and not hugging, which is driving me crazy, I got to be tell you. Because we are such a physical, hugging, loving church that it seems really odd to elbow bump and foot bump and all that kind of bump. But, but uh, anyhow, uh, they are good precautions in the times that we're living in. And we want to make sure that, uh, that everyone's health is promoted and we will continue to do that. Uh, know that we're trying here at the bridge, I'm trying as pastor to, to balance responsibility and and safety with perhaps overreacting in some cases. And I'm looking at a lot of places for guidance. Uh, one place that I've received some guidance, uh, in fact, just in the last couple of days, a blog that was put out by someone who I've grown to respect, Dr. Carolyn Leaf, who is a doctor and specializing in neurology. But she put out this post on, on her site. She said, the world is currently riveted in fear of what is known as COVID-19 a new type of coronavirus that has put a lot of people at risk of getting ill. I understand the situation can be frightening, and we should take all necessary precautions following the World Health Organization and Center for Disease Control guidelines. However, she goes on to say, it is also important to recognize that if you have ever had a cold or flu in your lives, it was probably the result of a type of coronavirus infection, and the risk of death for most people is a lot less than with many other viruses. You might be surprised to know that this coronavirus thing isn't something new. It's been around a long time. What is new is it's a new strain that appears to be highly contagious. And so that's what a lot of the precautions are about, trying to figure out this new strain of what has been around for a long time. She says, we need to bring balance to the fear because the fear can be more dangerous than the virus itself. We need to have that balance. It is important, therefore, to research what is true and what is false so that we do not inevitably spread false information about the pandemic. And again, that's what we're trying to do here at the bridge, is we're really striving to find that balance of making sure that we promote safety and health, and yet at the same time, understanding that in times that we're living in, times of stress and times of crisis, the church is a sanctuary for so many people. This is exactly where they want to be. They want to be around the people of God. They want to be someplace where they can praise God like we were just doing. They want to be around a place of prayer. They want to be around a place where they can hear from God. And for so many people who are living by themselves, it's the only opportunity for community they have all week. And so we will continue to monitor the spread of this virus and reactions to it on a day-by-day -day basis. What we want to encourage you to do is to be alert for communications that we send you through email. You should have received email this week. If you did not, I want you to do something after the service. Go back 
to our next step booth on our east patio and have them check your information in our database so that we have accurate information so we can get information to you. Also, check our website regularly because we'll put updates on the website. Now, I cannot imagine us not having service unless martial law is declared, as it has in some states where you can't have public gatherings, including church. We may respond. I don't know. And again, I'm just saying that we're working on this day by day, sometimes hour by hour. We may reduce the number of services we have temporarily to get everyone kind of in one grouping. So look for alerts, look for announcements so that you can keep up with what we're trying to do here at the bridge and the ministry opportunities that we're offering. Can we agree on that? An amen? amen? Thank you. Today has been declared by President Trump as a national day of prayer for the coronavirus uh, epidemic. And so I think it's very important that we follow that, that declaration and go to the Lord in prayer together today. Let's do that. Father, we thank you for who you are. And we thank you that in spite of everything happening around us, you're in control. Nothing has caught you by surprise. And Father, nothing is greater than your power. We pray that in this time that you will give wisdom to those in the medical community to rapidly find a vaccine that will stay the spread of this of this disease and also bring healing to those who have contracted it. We do pray for our leaders that they will make sound decisions that reflect reasonable standards to protect the welfare of the community, but not go to extents that are overreacting and might actually feed fear and feed paranoia over this pandemic. We pray especially for those who have been diagnosed with the, the virus and that you will allow their bodies to fight off this virus and give them a healing power that comes from you, a divine power of healing. And even more particularly, we pray for those who have contracted this virus, who already had complications in their health, in their immune deficiency ability. Those who are at most risk of the most dramatic results of being contaminated by this virus. We pray for your protection over their lives. We pray for everyone who's going to treat them, that they might give them every opportunity to have a speedy recovery. Lord, we just put it in your hands. Your word tells us over and over again that our time is in your hands. And so we trust your power. We trust your love. We trust your provision. And we trust that you will carry us through this as a people, as a nation, as a world. And we give you glory for that reality in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in a series, if you're a guest today, called Living Life Intentionally. We're looking at some different areas of our lives to see where we might need to put a little bit more attention. Because some areas of our lives can be more consequential to us and to those that we love around us than other areas of our lives, although we should take all of life seriously. 
But we've been looking at some specific topics. I, I don't have time to review them all each week, obviously. But last week, we started looking at being intentional in breaking our strongholds. Those areas of life that seem to have a power over us, that seem to have a, a, a special control and influence in our lives. Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. We just sang a beautiful uh, worship song. I am no longer a slave to sin, right? I'm a child of God. That's basically comes from Scripture. We're no longer slaves to sin. We're children of God. It is for freedom that Christ died to give us forgiveness of our sin and a new freedom from ritual and religiosity. The challenge is that we often re-enslave ourselves. It's not that we don't have freedom, but we don't live with that freedom. Because we re-enslave ourselves to some of these strongholds that are present in our life. We saw last week that a stronghold is a fortress of the mind. That's where the battle is. That's why Romans 12 says that we need to, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind because that's where the battle is waged in our strongholds is in our mind. It's a fortress of the mind made of incorrect thinking patterns. Normally, that's characterized by rationalizing attitudes and behaviors that God clearly has identified is not beneficial to us. Traumatic experiences, things that has happened to us in our past that we just cannot seem to get over. We can't get past it. It has a death grip on us. And it's, it's hindering our welfare and our joy and our peace and our health now. Or disobedient behaviors. There's times when we just choose to defy what God has told us is better for us. Because that behavior, in some twisted way, gives us a momentary buzz. It gives us a, a, a zip, a zap, something that makes us feel alive for a moment, brings some temporary excitement to us. Now, strongholds can be compared to addictive behaviors. Dr. Judd Brewer, who's an MD and has a PhD, defines addiction. He says, the simple definition of addiction is continued use despite adverse consequences. Continued use, continued practice, despite adverse consequences. He goes on to say, people know the cost of their addiction to their health, to their relationships, and to their life, yet they cannot seem to break them. Now, I would offer to you that what is true of addictions that he's directly addressing is also true of strongholds. There's strongholds that have Negative consequences, and we know they do. And yet, we keep returning to them. They have a grip on us. Matthew 12, 35, remember last week we saw that Jesus said, the man, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. The evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. So the key is, what do we have stored up in us? What's inside us? We looked at some of those possibilities last week. Lies that we believe, lies that Satan tells us, such as you are your past and you can never outlive your past. Or you are what's been done to you in your past. And none of that is ever going to change. You are condemned to your past. You are condemned to what's been done to you in your past. And you can never have joy. You can never have freedom. See, some of us have bought into that lie. 
a stronghold of worthlessness, to where we just have accepted maybe what others have said of us or what we have concluded about ourselves, that we're losers, we're worthless, we're not deserving of being loved. We serve no practical purpose in this world. Stronghold of unforgiveness. We've all been attacked. We've all been offended. Some of us have been abused. And sometimes we just can't, we can't get past that. We can't, we can't get any forgiveness in our life. And it grips us and it holds us and it makes us bitter and it makes us angry. Unrepentant sin. Not unconfessed sin. Because often our strongholds are characterized by sinful behaviors. And we'll commit the sin and we'll confess the sin. And we'll commit it again and we'll confess it again. And we'll commit it again and we'll confess it again. And we get stuck in this cycle of Behavior versus confession. The problem is we've never repented of the sin. Repentant means to change our mind, to change our direction, to agree with God that this isn't a good thing in my life and I need to do something about it. We looked at unresolved hereditary patterns, examples that may have been passed on you by your parents or another person that you admired in life or a celebrity or something else, and, and you're embracing that characteristic. It's been passed on to you. But last week, we even took a, a peek at the field of epigenetics, which is a field that says not only by example can we pass these stronghold markers on, but also through altering our genetic DNA by attaching negative markers on that DNA that we have seen can be passed down through studies, scientific studies, passed down to our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. Now, where we want to go today, and where I left you off last week, is how do I get rid of these negative influences stored up in me? How do I get rid of them? How can I get past them? How can I break these strongholds that I have? I want to give you a battle plan today. I want to give you some positive, practical steps to take to begin to combat whatever stronghold is present in your life. Step number one, you ready? Firmly set your resolve to win. Firmly set your resolve to win. It's got to start there. In other words, you got to want to break your stronghold. Sometimes we allow our stronghold to continue through our whole life because there's something about that stronghold that we like enough that we don't want to get rid of it. We want to have it there kind of like a fire extinguisher just in case we want to go to it another time. We got to want to do it. And it can only come from you. It can't come from your spouse. It can't come from your kids. It can't come from a friend. It's got to come from inside us. James 4, verses 7 and 8 and verse 10 said, Submit yourself then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, I've heard so many people, and I have said it myself, this whole idea, we use this phrase, just resist the devil and he'll flee from you. That's all i got to do. Resist the devil, resist the devil. I rebuke thee, Satan, you know. And Satan slaps us across the face. Because we're not doing what's bookend around that phrase. What does it say? Submit yourself to God. Then we could put in, then resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Come near to God and he will what? Come near to you. 
Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. That's our problem. We're double-minded. We got half of our thoughts, half of our life in that stronghold, and we want the other half to be in the things of God, and they just don't work that way. They're at odds with each other. So we're never going to have peace. We're always going to live in frustration. Number two, after we've set our resolve that enough of this, I've dealt with this enough, I've passed this on to other people, I'm done with it, I'm going to get out, this time is going to be different, then we need to pinpoint our enemy, pinpoint our stronghold, specifically, not put in some general category, we have to understand exactly what we're dealing with. Now, Scripture gives us categories of strongholds, of sin. For example, Galatians 5, verses 19 through 21 says, The acts of the sinful nature, the acts of strongholds, are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envies, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. There's a whole category of potential strongholds. 2 Corinthians 12, 20. Paul says, for I'm afraid that when I come, I may not find you as I want you to be, and you may not find me as you want me to be. I fear that there may be quarreling, jealousies, outbursts of angers, faction, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. Again, categories of strongholds. Colossians 3, verse 5 through 9. Notice a lot of these are repeated because the ones that are repeated are the more prominent strongholds. Paul says, put to death. In other words, step one, resolve. Set your resolve to win. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual morality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, and rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practice. At least we should have taken off our old self with its practice. But the problem is, in so many cases, we have not. And the reason we have not so often is we don't want to. There's something about it that makes us hang on to it. Got to pinpoint that enemy. Like all those terms. I, I, I started thinking about those terms. Say, do I really know what these terms mean? I don't have time to go through every one, but let me give you an example of some. Impurity, what does that mean? Well, it means something that's impure. We, we would all get that, okay? That was where we go. But look what else is this. Or makes something someone else impure. That's a stronghold of impurity. You know, so often we'll say, well, it's my body, it's my life, it's my consequences, I'll deal with it. Whatever I bring upon myself, I'll handle it. Yeah, but it's not just about us. Because our strongholds bleed over into other people's lives and have impact in their lives. In fact, we saw last week through epigenetics that it can impact generations after us. Debauchery. I'll bet a lot of us don't even know what that means. What does debauchery mean? How do we know if it's a stronghold if we don't even know what it means? Well, it means extreme indulgence in bodily pleasures and especially sexual pleasures. 
Behavior involving sex, drugs, alcohol, and all those things that are sometimes considered immoral. Rage. Here's a common stronghold. We'll say, yeah, you know, I have a little problem with my temper. Oh, it's a little problem with your temper. To what degree is it a little problem with your temper? Yeah, I lose my temper every now and I get angry. Every, well, yeah, we all get angry every now, now and then. Ang anger is not a sin unless it's a stronghold. It's, there's a purpose for anger. But see, we're not pinpointing. We're saying, no, I, I don't just lose my temper. I'm filled with rage. Violent and uncontrolled anger. I've shared with you in the past that, that for many years, I had a stronghold of road rage. I would love to say that I have completely broken that stronghold. I'm still working on it. But it is nowhere near it used to be. Because in past, I'd cut somebody off. I'd drive up, roll down my window and start screaming at them. I'd shake my fist. I'd blow them a kiss just to make them mad or something like that. I had fits of rage, see? It was uncontrolled. I would just lose control of myself. Or malice. That's yet another form of anger to where I'm actually fantasizing or even contemplating injuring somebody else. I used to fantasize that, driving them off the road, going over the side, <laughs> drowning in the canal. <laughs> There's a stronghold. But I got to know to what degree and where am I letting it be impactful? Who am I influencing? Selfishness. Concern excessively or exclusively with oneself. Seeking or concentrating on one's own advantage, pleasure, or well-being without regards to others. That's a horrible stronghold to where life is all about me. In this passage, it's linked with the word ambition. So it's, it's just thinking about me in my ardent desire for rank, fame, or power. It means at, at work, I'm going to climb that corporate ladder no matter who I have to climb over. I don't care about them. I'm getting to where I want to go. At school, I don't care if I have to destroy somebody else's reputation for me to become famous. I'll do whatever I want. Envy, painful or resentful awareness of an advantage enjoyed by another joined with the desire to possess the same advantage. Worst case scenario, envy plays out this way. Not only do I see something that you have or in you that I desire, but the stronghold increases intensity to where I want what you have and I don't want you to have it. I want it instead of you having it. Arrogance. Normally we wouldn't think of that as a stronghold because most people would not think of themselves as arrogant. But look at the definition. An attitude of superiority manifested in an overbearing manner or in presumptuous claims or assumptions. I would say mostly in an overbearing manner. I don't consider myself arrogant, but there's carnage everywhere I go because I'm a bull in the china shop. I'm a steamroller, and I get my way by intimidation. I get my way through, through force. I get my way through power. I roll over people. That's arrogant. That means they don't matter. Only you matter. Slander, gossip. 
We think it's just something that women do around, you know, uh, around the clothesline or around the water cooler. But men are just as bad as gossips and slanders as women are. That's a stronghold in a lot of people. It's a weapon in a lot of people. The utterance of false charges or misrepresentations which defame and damage another's reputation. It's another way we exhibit arrogance. Now, we need to contrast all these kind of behaviors with what the Bible says is godly behavior, is spirit-driven behavior. In Galatians 5, and 23, it says the fruit of the spirit. These are the characteristics that we want to be empowered in our life, that we want to drive our character and drive our behavior and drive our attitudes. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It ends by saying, against such things, there's no law. You, you, you want to be living right smack dab in the center of God's pleasure? You cannot pass on enough love. You cannot love too much. You cannot extend too much joy into the lives of others. You, you cannot strive for peace with everyone. Remember we looked at the scriptures, as long as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone, the scripture says. There's no law against being patient. Kindness, goodness, there's no law against that. If we embrace these, if we allow these to control our behavior and our attitudes and our lives, we are not going to have negative, destructive strongholds. Now, three is we have to perform reconnaissance and gather intelligence. Anybody going to battle knows that you've got you to get reconnaissance. You've got to get intelligence on what you're up against. We need scriptural reconnaissance. If my stronghold is anger, I need to find every verse in the Bible that addresses anger. And it's synonyms, temper, rage, malice. I need to find every verse that deals with that so I know what the Bible says about those things. Because remember, what's going on in these strongholds is Satan is infiltrating our minds and he's telling us lies and the antidote to Satan's lies is God's truth. And so we need to plow into scripture and do reconnaissance. We need psychological reconnaissance. We need to know what the mental health community says about these strongholds because they address a lot of these strongholds and they have great experience in helping people break these strongholds. So we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We need to go and find out what's already been done. Then there's testimonial reconnaissance. We need to find the life stories of people who have dealt with these strongholds and have successfully overcome them to get encouragement, number one, that if they can do it, I can do it. And number two, how did they do that? What did they do that was successful in helping them to break their stronghold? Now you say, now how do I do all this reconnaissance? We have all kinds of ways to do it. Use Google. You say, well, I don't know the Bible. I don't know how to find verses. But just Google scriptures on sin, and Google will pop up a bunch of them for you. Or like we said in our first session, we talked about developing our spirituality. There's Bible software programs. Some of them are very inexpensive. You can put on your computer, and you can do a word search. You can put in any word in the Bible. You can put temper, lust, sex, whatever in the Bible, and it'll show you every verse in the Bible that has that word. 
You can do a subject text or, or search where you put in a subject. I want to know more about uh, uh, gluttony and, as a stronghold. And it'll give you every verse on gluttony. Amazon, you can get books on it. Christian book distributors. You can get a Christian perspective from Christian authors on all of these things. There's no excuse for not doing reconnaissance intelligence because it is readily available to us. But it's an important step. We've got to do it. We've got to understand what we're facing and how others have successfully faced off with it. For it, we need to disable the supply lines that feed our stronghold. Now, why is it that if we realize that our stronghold has negative consequences for ourselves and for those around us, why isn't that enough not to do it anymore? Well, that should be it, right? But it's not, is it? And the reason that it's not is because there are things in our culture, there are things in our lives, there are things in our relationships that feed that stronghold. Supply it. Make sure that it stays alive. Make sure that it stays well. Now, we got to disable those things in our life. We need to ask ourselves a question, by whom, how, and when are my stronghold supply lines fed? First, we've got to say, by who? Who feeds my supply line? Who feeds it? Maybe your stronghold is, is excessive drinking. Maybe even alcoholism. You got a bunch of drinking buddies in your life, I'll bet. And they call you up and say, hey, let's go down to what's it, you know, whatever the bar it is, and happy hour. Let's, let's go put, belt some back. Or, hey, let's go fishing. We'll get a couple cases of beer. Hey, you know, they're drinking buddies. 1 Corinthians 15, 23 says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. See, not just alcohol, it could be drugs, it can be sex, it can be, it, it, it can be depression because we, we, we just choose to hang around other people who are constantly depressed and we feed off each other's depression. It can be someone who has a bad temper. Scripture even says, do not, do not make a friend of an angry man or you'll become angry, it says. See, we've got to rid ourselves of toxic, toxic relationships. We've got to rid ourselves of those. Now, some temporarily, some permanently depending on their response and their desire to help you break your stronghold rather than to keep you enslaved to your stronghold because misery enjoys company. How and when are my stronghold supply lines fed? When are they most likely to fire off? See, what you have noted about your stronghold is you don't constantly deal with it. It's not constantly present in your life. It visits you periodically. Now, its frequency is dependent on how much you're allowing it to, to control you. But it's not constantly there. It comes back and visits you from time to time. Now, how and when does it come back and visit you? Well, when they're triggered. That stronghold is triggered by something. Triggers refer to the experience of having an emotional reaction, usually to some kind of stimulus. There are internal triggers, stress, anxiety, feeling overwhelmed. Oh, man, I, 
my life is crazy right now. I'm all, everything's going wrong, and I've got this bill, all this kind of stuff. I've got to have a drink. I've got to have some drugs. I've got to get on my, my, my computer and whatever. See? Anger, sadness, feeling lonely, feeling abandoned, frustration, feeling out of control, pain, tension. Those are all internal triggers that drive us back to our stronghold. Because for some reason, submitting to our stronghold provides us a temporary release from these feelings, these internal struggles. There's external triggers. An anniversary date. One of the most dangerous times for a recovering alcoholic or, or, or drug addict is their anniversary dates of sobriety. I've been sober for five years now. I'm over it now. I can have a drink. Yeah, I, I can smoke a joint. It's been five years. I deserve it. Smells, sometimes noises, money problems, finances. You go back to that stronghold because it helps you escape the stress of those finances for a moment. Physical illness, sexual harassment, sexual enticement, routines, a particular time of day. Maybe those things visit you after work and you've worked on a long day and you're driving home and you're going to go by a route some place, some establishment, some reminder of your stronghold. And you're weak at that moment. And you're susceptible to, to embracing that stronghold again. Could be seeing someone else engaging in the same stronghold, watching them and seeing how much fun they seem to be having. A party or celebration, promotion at work, or a party for somebody. It's an anniversary. Oh, I know I shouldn't, but I, I will today, just today. And we open that door back up. A picture, a video, a billboard. Advertisers thrive on putting before us things that drive us to our strongholds. Picture, video, business trip. could be anything. By whom, how, and when are my stronghold supply lines fed? You got to think back. You got to write down. You got to journal. You got to go back and you say, okay, what happened? When I, I, I yielded again. I did this again. Why? What was going on in my life? What was going on around me? What, who was my influences? What was happening? we got to identify those things. There's great books out there to do it. Here's just a couple. Say Goodbye to Stubborn Sin by Clark Gerhardt. And they're, they're Christian-based. The Biology of Sin by Matthew Stanford. And they talk about how we can break these strongholds. They give you much more detail than I can give you in a message. Five, we need to build a coalition of allies. Remember we, we said that we just can't run around saying, resist the devil and he'll flee from you because the devil will slap us around? We need allies. James 5.16 says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be what? Healed. See? Our strongholds become more powerful when we keep them secrets. 
and we keep them secrets because Satan convinces us that if we would share this chink in our armor with anyone, they're going to respond with revulsion towards us. They won't be our friend anymore. They won't love us anymore. They won't like us anymore. Oh, you've got to be, you're, oh, that's disgusting. You're a disgusting, oh. And so we don't share them. We try to fight them on our own. And we're not successful in doing it. Because they're strongholds. They're strongholds. We need each other. We need accountability partners. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9 through 10 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. It says, But pity the man who falls and has no one to pick him up. Six, we need to wage spiritual warfare. We're in a spiritual battle. Scripture says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against angels and principalities. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, the weapons that we fight for have what kind of power? What kind of power? Divine power. What's divine power? That's godly power. God who is omnipotent. We have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. See, Satan is constantly trying to get us to be not obedient to Christ because that's where health is. How do I wage spiritual warfare? How do I wield these wonderful, powerful spiritual weapons? How do I do that? See you next week. And we'll talk about that. I I really had intended to conclude this topic today. But honestly, so many of you in between services have come to me and talked to me about, this is where I'm living. This is where I'm stuck. This is, you're talking to me. Well, let me, first of all, give you a disclaimer. I'm just sharing biblical principles. It's God talking to you. It's not me. It's the Holy Spirit talking to you. If there's something stirring in you, it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit who loves you. It's God who loves you, who's reaching out to you, who says, let's break this stronghold. Let's get you to a better place than you are right now. Come on. He might be using me as a voice piece, but he's the one who loves you. He's the one who wants to help you, and he's the one that can empower you to be victorious. And I thought it really important, since we have to wage spiritual warfare, I thought it very important that we don't just rush through that. And so we're going to take another week, and we're going to talk about breaking strongholds. Now, before we dismiss, I I want to be sensitive to someone who might be here right now, who has the most serious stronghold active in your life of all strongholds. And that is your own sinfulness. Not just a sin here and there. I mean your state of sinfulness. 
Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. And not just talking about physical death, talking about eternal death, spiritual death. Eternal separation from God. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. But here's how that second verse, Romans 6, 23, goes on. says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus is the only one that can break that eternal stronghold. Jesus said it himself in John 14, 6, when he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John, one of the original disciples, in, in his gospel, in John 3, 16, said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will never perish but have eternal life. Paul, in his letters to the Romans, in Romans 10, 9, says, If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart God raised from the dead, you'll be saved. That stronghold can be instantaneously broken by the sacrifice Jesus has made for you on the cross. God would give that gift to you right now if you would receive it. And all you have to do to receive it is ask God for it. Acts 2.21 says, And everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Now that, that, that might be new to some of you today, and you might go and I don't know if I really understand that. Don't we have to live a good enough life to go to heaven? Well, living a good life is important, but it won't get you to heaven. The only thing that get you to heaven is Jesus and a relationship with him. 